Our scripture is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing the, song, the same, no, by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. And from Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up into the mountains. After he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. All right, confession time. I'm a little scattered this morning. Um, in so much so that uh, I ran off a minute ago to get my sermon that was sitting on the printer. And I pulled it up and I see it. Oh, it's blank. Oh, no, it's really, really small. So I'm going to be reading it off of my phone. Because uh, this Sunday, as I mentioned, we're wrapping up a mini-series looking at the ministries of our members, those unsung ministries of our community. Um, you know, we talk about walking humbly with God, and this community does that. We walk humbly. We do these things without much fanfare. And so we've been looking at that history and those life-giving ministries. And one organization or one ministry or one group of our congregation we haven't talked a lot about is the Social Justice Collaboration Team. This is a relatively new team in and of itself, but is made up of leads and heads and dedicated social justice workers who have been doing this work for decades. And now they're under one umbrella. It's kind of hard to believe that we have one team guiding the major justice initiatives of our congregation. Because if St. Luke is known for one thing, I would hope that it's known for its justice work. Amen. You can say amen to the pastor. That's okay. <laughs> Yet, everyone is so dang humble that they often don't get the kudos for some stuff that y'all do. You just do this important work because it needs to be done. And God bless you for doing that work for decades. And you know, they continue in a long tradition of justice seekers here at St. Luke. Yes, notably, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, before I was born, <laughs> Session passed, just barely, just barely, just barely, Session passed a motion to actively not tolerate the immoral policy of the United States and declare this church a sanctuary for refugees from Guatemala and El Salvador. That was 1982. And after putting forth that declaration, Rene Hurtado arrived to wide media coverage. And 25 years later, the INS lost their court appeal. That was 2007. So Rene came here in 82, and in 2007 was finally free of that court process and is still here, living in the Twin Cities today, doing quite well. Now this is 2023, and is 16 years after that court process has wrapped up. 
And it is my disprivilege to say we now have new immoral policies of many states around us. There is a phrase that I'm going to use that you may not be familiar with, or maybe you've started to hear it. It is the transmigration. Minnesota is now a refugee state for trans people. This is official policy signed by Governor Waltz to say that if a trans person comes to Minnesota, other states cannot send their authorities to bring them back. That's very reminiscent of something called the Fugitive Slave Act, and is something that other states are trying to do. Namely, uh, Iowa, South Dakota, and soon to be North Dakota, three of our neighbors, have legislation that is, I say here, bad for trans people, but essentially removes their rights to health care, to live a life of safety and dignity. I won't get into the specific policies as it is now, but you can certainly come talk to me after the service um, or do some research on your own. But they are following the example of other immoral policies set forth in Florida, Texas, and Tennessee. The laws in Florida and Texas who are sort of pioneering and spearheading this initiative state that children can be taken from their parents if their parents are trans. If I lived in Florida, Lillian could be taken from me by the state. And if we hadn't just passed a refugee law here, I would be concerned that Florida could come and take her anyway. Now, this has happened already. Kids have been taken from their parents and returned to Florida. Kids who have been um, in divorced households where one party did not get custody but lives in Florida have kidnapped their children and brought them to Florida. Thank you. This is heavy, hard, real stuff. So unfortunately we are, as uh, Dr. Oh, I forget his name again, <laughs> my notes. Um, but in our back there is a trifold panel. This was the culmination of the justice program work that I did at United Theological Seminary to be a leader for social justice for our community. Um, and I cite a doctor there who looks at the 10 stages of genocide, the 10 stages, where the 10th stage is denial, saying we didn't do that, that's not genocide. We, he states that we are in the seventh stage for trans people, the stage right before armed members of the nation start rounding people up and exterminating. We are right before them, and if you talk to some parents whose kids have been taken by the state of Florida, we're starting to move into stage eight, where people are getting rounded up. 
In those states, you can't talk about gender or be trans in classrooms. Trans teachers are being outlawed. You can't be on hormones, so you face detransition. And it's worth noting that only trans people cannot be on hormones. Cisgendered people can take testosterone. They can take estrogen. They can have gender-affirming surgeries, breast implants for cisgendered women, hair transplants for cisgendered men. Those are gender-affirming surgeries. And cis people can do them. In those states, you cannot wear clothes or be in the bathroom. I would receive a felony if I walked into a bathroom in Florida. If I appeared in public in Florida, I could be arrested and charged with a felony, and my rights to vote would be removed, because we don't let felons vote. You see how immoral law stacks on top of immoral law to begin wiping out a certain type of person from the national landscape. And so trans families are fleeing their homes and are migrating to sanctuary states, like Minnesota. There are 19 states with trans refugee laws, and there are 18 states with oppressive anti-trans laws, and the rest are somewhere in between. So my Justice Certificate program is to begin building a network of compassionate care to provide financial aid, to support costs of moving a family across state lines, provide transportation to job interviews or to locations with resources, and provide temporary housing until those families can get on their own feet again. I am proud to say the Social Justice Collaboration team and our session have agreed that this is important work to support by our community. And as needs arise, they will be shared. And we will respond as we are able. But it's one thing to hear about your trans pastor talk about these. Again, I'm frazzled. Because uh, it's one thing to hear about me talking about this or to read about it in a newspaper, though many outlets are slow to report on this, the human impact of these laws and the politicians who support them is real. Now, we're going to hear from some of these trans people who are fleeing their states. Through the platform TikTok, many people are sharing their stories. And we're going to hear from them now. I invite you, if you're in a position, uh, you may want to turn your chairs. Uh, this is going to be nine minutes that we're sitting here watching this, so you may want to turn your chairs or get comfortable. You might also want to get your tissues ready. Ken? I'm a trans person, and I am moving out of the South this summer, and here's like how I decided for my family that that was the right thing for us to do. Now, I live in Louisiana. I don't think that it's like an emergency situation in Louisiana where we all need to be like fleeing right away. For me, we decided that we needed to leave when it started to like physically impact my health, the like stress that we were under being here. And that stress is like partly from anti-trans legislation, partly because we spent a lot of time in Florida because my um, in-laws live there, but then also like hurricane stress and like that doesn't seem to necessarily be getting any better. And also my kids' lead levels in their blood were like elevated and that's because of like the lead in the water and the soil in my neighborhood. And the stress was impacting me so much that like I chipped my tooth 
while I was sleeping because I've been like grinding my teeth so much and I like woke up and had a broken tooth and I was like okay like the stress is impacting me physically and I need to like make a change and the change for us was moving. I wish that I had the strength to like stay and fight but I can be a better advocate, a better fighter for change in a place where I'm like emotionally more regulated. Um, and for me, that's not in the South anymore. Just watching what's happening in Florida right now, I do have a lot of anxiety around my kid. I have legally adopted my kid. Um, I'm not the birthing parent of my kid. And I just worry that me being trans means that they're gonna find some way to take my kid away from me. I don't know if that's like really going to happen, but like the stress of that potentially happening is impacting my health. So it was a really hard and very long decision to decide to leave Louisiana. Um, but ultimately, I think it will be the right thing for like my long-term health and just my family's well-being. We are extremely privileged and lucky to be able to move and our jobs just be able to move with us. Uh, we're both self-employed and we're actually taking our in-laws with us. They're moving with us out of Florida up to Philadelphia and we're all going to live in a house together. Day 11 of documenting a day in the life of evacuating in Florida as a trans person. And you're probably saying to yourself, but Michaela, you're there. This series should be over. You're done. You're safe. And that's true. I did. And I am. But my brain is starting to catch up with everything that's happened. And so I'm starting to crumble. And I'm falling apart for multiple reasons. One, I'm able to actually finally breathe some safety. But also because my brain is playing tricks on me and telling me to feel guilty for leaving. Like I'm some sort of coward. It even got to the point where I told myself... I should have stayed, which is a wild thing to think and say because it is not safe there for any marginalized person. But that's trauma for you, right? I would like this series to be done, but I feel it's important to document the progress of the aftermath of the trauma. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. My name is Milo Pash, and this is my voice, day one on testosterone. My name is Milo Pash, and this is my voice, uh, 14 days on testosterone. Well, my name is Milo Pash, and this is my voice, 29 days on testosterone. Hello, my name is Milo Pash, and this is my voice, 1 month and 11 days on testosterone. Hi, I'm Milo Pash, and this is day 54 on testosterone. Hi, I'm Milo Pash, and this is my voice, 94 days on testosterone. Hello, I'm Milo Pash, and this is my voice 232 days on testosterone. I'm an 18-year-old high school senior in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> and I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. Testosterone has been life-saving for me. Taking me off of testosterone now is taking away my happiness. It's taking away my health care. I'm a legal adult. I can make my own decisions. I don't know for sure because I haven't been able to get in contact with my provider. But it looks like I will have to detransition for the time being. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to college in Missouri, so I can't even get out. 
I've already committed to Kansas City Art Institute, and I don't want to give up my dream of going to art school. Oh. I have scholarships. I have. I've already committed. It's all in line. I don't want to have to give up my dream just to get out of this hellhole. And I don't know what to do. I really don't. You were taking away my rights, my health care. It's not fair. But since when was America fair? I have been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. And they are denying care to anyone with any disorders, ADHD, autism, anxiety, depression, when dysphoria could be the cause of depression. I'm not sure exactly what I want to say. I'm not sure exactly what I want to come out of this video. And I'm not sure what it's going to do to change Missouri law. I don't know what I want to come out of this video. I don't know exactly what, but I want to spread the word. I want to share my story. I want someone to tell me it's going to be okay. I want some kind of hope. And you know, it's kind of slim right now because it doesn't look good. It looks like I'm going to have to detransition. Please help. I don't know what you can do. I'm going to find ways to help. Because this will kill people. This will kill people. I'm 12 years old and I shouldn't be here right now. I should be playing with my friends back home in Texas where I was born and raised but my home is gone now. Mom sold everything that didn't fit in the car and drove to Connecticut because Texas isn't safe for kids like me. In 2023 alone more than 435 anti-trans bills have been introduced across 44 states. These proposed laws attack trans people's access to essential, life-giving health care. The right to use the correct bathroom. To play youth sports. To enjoy full and vibrant lives, free from discrimination, from dystopian surveillance. From the vicious attempts by conservative lawmakers to twist our humanity into a tool for re-election. Make no mistake, beautiful trans family. Your identity is not just valid. It is irreproachable. No one can erase who you are. No matter how hard they try. You are a gift to this world. You are the future of a people whose existence has exemplified liberation for generations. And so, terrifying as these times might be, Oh honey, we shall overcome. Because they have thrown everything they can at us. And we're still here. Our community is strongest when we stand together. That means not just speaking up when the right to marriage. Or to adopt. Or workplace equality is on the line. It means coming together to defend our most vulnerable. And our most valuable members. Our youth. 
I know there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about you. We're here to say that enough is enough. Now is the time to raise our voices and say to my trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming community, the hate ends here. You are extraordinary. You are inspiring. You are exactly who you're meant to be. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I know that they act like we're the end of the world, but our capacity for transformation is a model for how to save it. Together, we're going to beat those bills. We'll reach those misguided hearts and minds. And open each other to a love that does not fear change. We will fight and we will win. I'll be with you every step of the way. Because you. Because you. Because you are the future. There are lawsuits already in the works. And many trans people don't have faith in the Supreme Court, who is sure to see these cases. In the next couple of years, years. In the meantime, this is happening. Social Justice Collaboration team is pledging our June Change for Change offering to fund families fleeing Iowa. Much like the session declared in 1982 and Renee showed up in need, session is supporting the work I'm doing to develop a trans-migration network with faith communities in surrounding states. This is the culmination of my year-long certificate in pastoral leadership for social justice. But we don't do this because, oh, well, here at St. Luke, we're a bunch of liberal social justice warriors virtue signaling. It's not about politics. We do this because we can, and because we care, and because trans rights are human rights, and yes, because we follow a rich history of justice seekers, both within these walls of this church, but also across time and space. to those ancient stories we heard this morning, to welcome a neighbor in need. And that those who mourn shall be comforted. I do not know what's ahead of us. But I am grateful to be in this community and to be surrounded by so many caring, justice-oriented people. Thank you for your care and your attention.